Boom. And we're back for another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winter, and I'm here as always with Dr. Bear Paul Lando up here on the majestic, beautiful azure blue waters of the Smith River here on the border of California and Oregon in the great state of Jefferson. We are coming to you on a special time today at four o'clock on DLive. And we have a special guest coming to us from the great country of Oz from Australia, actress Isabel Lucas. And uh, we're quite blessed to have her here. And we'll have an amazing conversation. Really looking forward to this. For those who are new to our podcast, you can find out more about us on our website, which is alphavedic.com, A-L-F-A-V-E-D-I-C.com. We are an off-grid farm, uh, agricultural co-op, uh, health co-op. And uh, we have a vibrant community now uh, really just starting to explode bear on Telegram. And if you guys find that this message resonates with you and you're new to us, please join us over there on Telegram, t.me forward slash Alpha Vedic. And you can also join us on Discord at alphavedic.com forward slash Discord. And our co-op is growing steadily. And if you're interested in joining us and um, getting discounts on our products, joining the co-op private rooms on Discord, uh, and receiving exclusive content, as well as meetups and all sorts of other fun things we have planned, you can join us there at patreon.com forward slash Alpha Vedic. Okay, that's my spiel there. Enough of that, huh? Um, today, Isabel Lucas, actress and social activist, joins us. Uh, Isabel was born in Melbourne, Australia, and spent her childhood between Australia's Northern Territory and Switzerland, and speaks French, Swiss, German, and English. Lucas was involved in drama during her school years and became well-known in her native Australia for her breakout role in the popular Australian series Home and Away. Isabel continued to build an impressive filmography after her move to Hollywood, where she received acclaim working in major film productions, including Spielberg Features, earning the award for Best Breakout Performance, Female, in Sci-Fi and Action, and various other awards within the movie industry. A lifelong love for animals in preserving natural habitats would lead, her, lead to her spokesperson role for ending the slaughter of dolphins and whales while adopting a personal vegan lifestyle. Isabel's inclination toward activism has recently extended into controversial issues, including concerns over global 5G activation and involuntary vaccination. Speaking out about such issues has unfortunately provoked the unpleasant ire of the legacy media that severely frowns upon celebrities speaking truth. Isn't, isn't that correct? Uh, as a personal friend to Dr. Lando's family, we're looking really forward to this talk today. And as always, you know, we're going to focus on all the fun stuff uh, that we like to, solutions and um, staying positive and really uh, just having a fun conversation today. How's it going, Dr. Lando? Hey, I'm going great. Uh, Isabel, great to see you. It's like uh, old home week having you here this week. Huh? So uh, fortunately, since you moved back to Oz, uh, we get to communicate via Zoom periodically. So we're still in touch. But I think yeah. the last time we saw each other face-to-face -face was at our uh, last farm in Humboldt County, wasn't it? Yeah, in the Redwoods, up in, the, in that beautiful area. It was, um, I'd come up and visit quite a lot and, and stay in the little, the caravan out the back, in the backyard. Yeah. <laughs> you were a frequent <laughs> visitor there. Yeah, yeah. It uh, helped us uh, weed our garden and do all sorts of things there. <laughs> yeah, Deb, you're... Um, your partner 
we um, were planting tulips and it was it was spring coming into spring when we when I was there the last time that I was there it was, it's so beautiful and you know since then I've actually actually had um, my own beehives as well inspired by you oh you're kidding yeah so uh, when you were there I had my active hives out there uh-huh you did you had quite yeah. a few near the house and yeah I got one in California like I saved a hive but then since I moved here back to Byron to Australia um, I got a hive here yeah. as well yeah Good for you. Well, hey, uh, we're so delighted to have you here today. And thank you for spending time with us. I know you've got a busy schedule. And uh, you know us here, we're, we really do like to, you know, focus on positivity and solutions. And even though sometimes when we talk about those solutions, it necessarily brings up what we need solutions for. But you know that we aren't really political activists um you know we're you know i always describe myself as a political atheist and we just want a better planet and um uh oh god there's so many things i want to ask you you know norm i'm used to talking to you personally where we go off and just other kind of things here oh by the way you know before we uh, started today and i'm very honored about this is here you're um you've been in major spielberg features and and have an impressive filmography, and and uh, this is the first podcast you've ever been on. So, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm, this is great. Thanks. Fantastic. That's um, yeah, it's it's exciting. I'm happy to be doing it. I've actually been asked many times to do podcasts, but um, I don't know. I felt yeah, I've just kind of been holding back until it kind of really felt right, and it. Yeah, it feels 100% right now. <laughs> uh, well, thank you. So maybe before, we, I, I was starting to get off on a different tangent, but uh, maybe uh, if you're, I don't know how much you're at, um, at liberty to talk about your last project, but you just got off uh, a new film project. Is that right? Yeah, but I did. I, I was just shooting a film here. Like we wrapped about four days ago. And it's an independent film called Blush and Rocket. And it's a really beautiful, true story about the director, writer's life. And it's a parenting story. It's like, it's about how it is to be raised with handicapped parenting. And like, it's parents that aren't really very available. Um, and yeah, it's like a real coming of age story. And it was, I've only mm -hmm. shot things where I've lived in the town that I've lived twice before, like once in when I was in LA and once when I was in Melbourne on the Spielberg, the Pacific series. Um, yeah, so it's been wonderful filming here in the Byron Bay Shire. Yeah. So it all went well? Yeah, it was really fun. Um, a really beautiful cast and it was a lot of, it just felt like everyone was really coming from it was like a real hot job for everyone everyone was really there because they loved the story and the, the message mm -hmm. and, the, and um there's so much more like play and flexibility and creativity i find when there's that kind of trust and openness within the crew within the cast and yeah it was really fun yeah good, good to hear uh, that were uh, people all masked up did you have a covid specialist on um, set, I know I have a friend who in LA uh, whose uh, 
buddy, that's all he does now is he does uh, COVID um, yeah. consultation on set. So everybody's uh, adhering to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's pretty unusual. Um, thankfully, a lot of the... How do I say it? I, um, I gave my duty of care of what I could offer to respect everyone's health and maintain my own health. And I, I shared that and I opted out of doing the COVID test. Um, and everyone was really respectful and, um, yeah, really honouring of, like, how to maintain health. And um, while this kind of very tricky time is underway. Um, but for me, for yeah. my own reasons, I needed to do that. And, I, yeah, I felt like it was, it was quite... Um, it was actually quite a like understanding, relaxed group of people. So it was, it felt, and I, I mean, I actually am trying to recall the last time I was sick and it was about five or six years ago. Um, and I, yeah, I think my immune system has just become so solid and from my way of life, how I live and eat and, and think. And so yeah, it was it was a really beautiful experience all up. <laughs> Even though people were wearing masks most of the time. Yeah. And um, adhering to to those rules. Well, yeah. hopefully the hopefully the one thing that will come out of this is that we all learn mutual respect and regardless of our belief systems or affiliations that uh you know, we just, we just stopped the divisiveness and uh, I don't care what anybody does or believes myself as long as they just respect, uh, you know, myself and, and I try to extend that to other people. Um, you know, in our intro with you today, we kind of described you as an activist as well as an actress, but, uh, you know, I've known you for a while now and, and really your activism is more towards protection of animals and habitat. And, um, and I think that's something that we can all get behind. And you've done a lot of marvelous work uh, in that area. Is, is there anything you'd like to share with us about some of your past uh, projects that you've done? Oh, I mean, thank you. Yeah, there's been, I, I felt like even when I started acting, I met my agent under a mango tree at a, you know, like a, a, an outdoor market. And I don't think I would have ever really entered the film industry if it wasn't for that synchronicity. And if, and if I didn't like her, I met with her for lunch the next day and I just instinctively really liked her. And that was how it sort of started to un, unravel this career in acting. And I, I'd always done art at school and I just started doing drama when I was 17, quite late because I was so shy and I wouldn't have, yeah, so it was really like, um, and I guess when I did really, it was like my first audition was the first job that I worked on, and that was for three years on, on Hemingway. And, um, I often felt very idealistic and of like, how is acting going to help the world or what, what's this contributing to anything? Just, you know, I didn't see the context of how it could be um, a path of like, 
for my passion with all the things I care about to, with nature and animals and conservation of natural habitats and um, but they they sort of fed the dovetailed really well like I would do a film and then I'd go off and do it some project or I'd go to Japan to do the, the dolphin whale paddle out or um, go on a journey Kilimanjaro, climb Kilimanjaro for clean water and there was always different projects that I was going on to um, follow my passions on certain topics so they've worked really well and, and it's given me the platform to speak about things that I clearly care about and a lot of other people do as well so yeah so the, the whale and the dolphin project was uh, with a group of surfers wasn't it yeah Dave Rastovich um, organized it a friend of mine who's a free surfer he's pretty much termed free surfing um, and then the the cove the, the crew that made the film the cove which won the yeah. Oscar we all sort of went there together Dave was making his own film mines in the water and yeah, it was a very, like, moving experience. I remember the, the water was blood red, right, you know, metres away from us, and the whales and the dolphins, like, that had been herded in. And we, we were just sitting on our surfboards to intentionalise a ceremony in honour of all the, those sentient beings that had been slaughtered over and over. Um, and... Yeah, it was, it was really like that. For me, I really um, got it connected to how powerful witnessing is. Just the simple willingness to witness something that's very uncomfortable and be present to it and show up to that. Um, can sometimes, it can sometimes be more powerful um, than actually going and protesting. I mean, protesting has its place, but... Um, documenting, witnessing and having ceremony is a very different energy to saying no to something and fighting it because you'll naturally create a pushback. So I find even activism, it can be a very coming from a real fight place, which can end up perpetuating, you know, I mean, no one likes being told that they're wrong or doing something wrong. Even like as a child, if you're like, don't do that, they'll probably want to keep doing it. So I think it's more of like, can you activate the conscience in someone by just being present to, to, yeah, like a lack of it or a lack of um, just bring bringing awareness to it. Yeah. So it was. Yeah. It was a yeah. Experience. Mm. It's it's much. Um more logical to be for something than against something being against something is is like trying to yeah. stop a negative almost it's it's like um you know it really doesn't activate our creative powers and and our you know our powers of manifestation as far as what we really do want now uh yeah. i i know i would describe you as well as a bit of an empath you feel very uh clearly <laughs> you know what uh sentient beings are feeling so uh did you have any experiences along that line when you're working with the uh whales yeah. and the dolphins absolutely i mean 
I feel like everyone's actually an empath, but there's different set, like we're on this, which where we're on the spectrum alternates. I, I didn't even, I, it took me a long time to, to understand what, what that meant, like to be an empath and how um, maybe not everyone's on the sensitivity level that, that I, for some reason, am. And, <laughs> and I don't, like, it used to be something I'd, I'd resist a lot and also didn't even understand about, like, I would, it wasn't until, I remember there was a first memory where I, where I was like, oh, this is, not everyone else is feeling this. <laughs> um, a really good friend of the family um, came over for dinner and I was 15 and we were sitting at the table and I remembered when he came in, I just like, oh, I was hit with this, this headache. And we were sitting at the table and I was like, oh, it's so strong. Like, why am I feeling this? But, you know, just kind of sitting there at dinner. And then we started eating and I was like, Glenn, mum and dad's friend, I'm like, Glenn, do you, did you have a headache today? And, and then he was like, yeah, I've had this horrible headache. It was right here at the front of my head. It's been all day just throbbing. And I was just like, oh, I've, I've got it. I'm feeling it. <laughs> and then like even like four or five seconds after saying it, it was like it went away and I didn't have it anymore. It was like it went back to him and, and he, it kind of diffused for him, I guess, as well. And I remember thinking like that was, that I often, since then I've been aware of like, what's mine, what's not mine? Um, because my body literally feels it like it's in the field. I've even had, <laughs> I was telling a friend recently, I was at a party of a very, very well-known, amazing surfer. And I think there were probably a few drugs flying around, but I'd only just arrived at this party and I was like there for 15 minutes or something and I'd brought my own drink and yeah, and I just, it was so absurd because I was walking across this like dance floor area and there was all these people and like suddenly there was, there was this like, I remember, I remember just feeling completely overwhelmed with this, I was just thinking these thoughts. I was like, I'm the best fucking person here. Everyone wants me. Everyone's looking at me. I'm, I'm like, you know, and then suddenly it just like occurred to me. I'm like, wow, I don't even have these thoughts. Like what? That, I don't even think this. And then it was like that and it was gone. And so it was like Coke. I'm sure, I feel like it would have been Coke. I, I actually haven't done any drugs because I'm so sensitive to things so um but yeah it's like it's amazing how receptive we can be energetically to things in the field and to other people and to it's yeah the body is so intelligent it's so in, full of impulsive yeah you know um Rudolf Steiner talks about the fact that we actually have 12 senses not just five and you and I have talked behind the scenes about some of the things that I'm involved with in the, you know, physics, uh, waveform physics. Yeah. And uh, there are 12 uh, qualitative aspects that we measure in our work. Yeah. And they coincide with what Steiner was talking about. 
So with the instruments we use, because they're not uh, technologies that are computer interface and electronic, but pick up on the finer um, qualitative aspects of waveforms that are very verifiable, you know, not at all in question as far as if they exist or what we're actually measuring. Um, but these uh, qualitative aspects, uh, when you tune into them in the work, what it's doing is it's aligning our outer consciousness with that aspect that will then, um, you know, with enough practice, when you do it a, a long enough time, all of a sudden it opens up that sensory organ that's dormant in most of us and then allows us to perceive in that full uh, 12 spectrum perception band instead of being limited to the external five senses. Yeah. And so what we find firsthand is that, wow, uh, we can perceive so much more. We're capable of, uh, you know, so much more perception. And yeah. uh, some people like yourself, you know, just kind of come in wired like that from the start. And, and, and I, you know, talk to other people too. It's a little bit um, disconcerting because if other people that, you, you know, you, you interact with don't have the same experience, you start wondering what you're tuning into in the first place. Yeah, I think it's, I think it also comes with a responsibility. It's a little bit like being a canary in the coal mine. I've related to that for a long time where I'll sense things before before they come and then when I share it, it's it sort of can be tricky, but it lands, it can land. Um, it's like it doesn't always land for people, which like my family or like, you know, but then down the track, it will make sense. And so I, yeah, I, I don't take it lightly. And it's essentially, it's like a, it's a beautiful thing. It reminds, it's like, I like, I, I think it's fascinating how it works. And it reminds me of like, you know, those tests that were done about tree roots and how they talk to each other underground through the mycelium. Yeah. It's like, it, they're so amazing and they can, they can sense and, and read what other trees need and they'll excrete that through their roots to support them. If there's a tree that has a disease or needs certain nutrients or whatever. And through that empathic communication, or I don't know, it's like that with us as well. We're like trees and we can intuit and sense what other trees might need to feel, other beings might need to, to feel better. And so we can help each other in that way. So it's like, um, I just loved hearing about that, the, that whole, amazing well, that's yeah, why it, it's it important <laughs> just gonna <laughs> say that's why it's important yeah. to be in contact and being communal and be in person yeah. with people yeah. and you know and we know from certain uh bear what's that russian photography where it shows your luminescent energetic field uh krillian, krillian photography we can actually visualize yeah. and see the field yeah. Yeah. And now we're six feet apart from each other with the social distancing and this distancing and the zoom stuff's great. It allows us to have these conversations, but we have to be in person. We are, our body is everything to us. It's our, it's the most, you know, advanced technology on the planet. And you're, you know, so when you're in that party and you're bouncing off all those energies and you, you know, you're, you had that connection with whoever that soul was that was having that ego moment. 
And then you kind of, you know, you, you were able to experience that. And that's so important, right? That we have that connection. Oh yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, and it's also important to know how to screen out certain, certain frequencies as well. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah I, I think that's one of the main teachings that I actually received from living in, in LA or in Hollywood for so long was, was how to, how to have my boundaries really clearly energetically. Yeah. But, yeah. When you're, go like ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to stay in LA that it's like you're getting the kitchen sink thrown at you. It's, it's, uh, take some, a level of mastery to maintain your space down there. Yeah. And yeah, it's true. And there's, there's a lot of frequencies of course in the field through the EMF frequencies. I remember when you gave the suggestion, with the smart meters to put the smart meter on the um the smart meter guard on the house in LA because yeah there's a lot of EMF frequency and I, I do feel it in the yeah I do feel it when I'm away from it and when I'm back and there is quite a difference um in that as well <laughs> but that's a whole nother absolutely yeah well in Byron Bay you're pretty lucky because uh, you're in a place where people seem pretty awake We've had um, some other individuals uh, like Barnett, Tom Barnett, and Bear was recently on with Chef Pete Evans, um, who's there. And um, it seems like a lot of the awake vocal people that are really with it are in your town. So it seems like you're in a great place. It's, yeah, it's such powerful land here. It's, um, the history of this land is that the indigenous people used to come here to, to either birth or to celebrate. And there's a lot of quartz under the ground. So there's, it's one of those, it, it brings, it brings all your topics up. You can't like live here and not be doing, um, looking at what's reflected back to you. You have to sort of do the work if you're here and, and, and take breaks from it as well. It can be quite, the land is just so alive. It's so powerful. Yeah. And uh, speaking of Indigenous, you spent a lot of your childhood in the Northern Territory and uh, Aboriginal community, didn't you? Yeah. So when I was nine and ten, mum and dad, we, we moved out there as a family and we were living in Kakadu. It's a, it's a national park and very small town, less than 900 people. And my best friend was um, one of the granddaughters of the Kakadu man, um, Big Bill Naiji, who's passed away now, and the traditional owner of the land. And it was so amazing learning from her and like learning about bush tucker and, and, and her true like connection to country, to land, and as my own introduction to that, to the, the whole idea that the earth is alive, it's sentient, it's living, breathing, nourishing us with so much all the time and to be aware of that connection foster it and um that was really the beginning i think for me with um that nature connection it was through it was through her the friendship with, with tasha yeah. 
And it, I've always been super fascinated with the uh, Australian Aboriginals because it seems like more than any people that I've been exposed to that they've really maintained that sense of where they've come from as far as seeded here from other star systems. They talk about that much in, in your generation or is that more the prior generations? Um, with, with Tash, I've talked to her more about the animal archetypes or like which animal system like she's um, born into. Um, and the stars, I mean, for sure, that's so much a part of their dreaming. Um, but there's, um, what would you call it? There's like, yeah, they share about it when you're ready and when it's right. So even me talking about it, I wouldn't want to, um, it's like, yeah, the knowledge is passed down when you're ready. And it's, 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 yeah, it's galactic and so amazing. It's, it's mm -hmm. hard to conceive with any kind of cognitive kind of it's more like you have to be like in here and here to, to like perceive it you know you can't just conceive it with the intellectual mind only yeah and what i love is just the open acknowledgement that uh what we think is our waking self is actually the dream time uh in the aboriginal culture and, uh, and dovetailing off our earlier conversation, uh, you know, when you do start just tuning into those other perceptive um, yeah. bandwidths, we'll say, um, it seems like your dreams and your waking self, there seems to be kind of a congruity between the two worlds. So there's less of a, I don't know how to articulate it, less of a contrast between the two. And it's almost like when you're, you know, so-called asleep and dreaming that it's your dreams take on a different, more of a lucid quality and uh, you, you're just more active and conscious even when you're dreaming. Have you ever, have you ever oh, experienced that? Yeah, I've, I've definitely experienced lucid dreaming. I also have like certain dreams that, I, that are like totally unique to any other dreams. Like maybe there's four, there's about four dreams that have stood out. It's like, I wouldn't even know how to describe it. It's kind of like having the seven colors of the rainbow and then this dream would be like a whole new color. It's like you wouldn't, I wouldn't even know how to relate it to normal dreams. And sometimes with dreams like that, you, yeah, it's like you, you have to kind of consider, is there a message in here for, for me? Or I, I always find that a really interesting topic of like how to discern the difference between an insight, an intuitive insight, or a, a message, and a thought, or just like something that you're imagining, just a, a, but from a thinking place. It's kind of nearly like the difference between knowing and thinking, um, and how to discern that difference. And for me, it always comes down to the body, like what's, it's like the body knows somehow but I think it's like a a journey of like how to decipher it in your own body's knowing it's quite a um yeah it's a quick it's a big a big topic I think do you know what I mean Ben it's like that whole yeah I, mean, I know exactly what you mean yeah yeah um 
I mean, most of the, like, even most of the films that I've ever chosen to do um, come down to, like, what, how it feels in my gut, in my body. Um, and even, even now, like, today, I'll receive an email, see the offer, see the film, read it, and I'll know um, in physically whether I want to do it or not. Um, and even my mind might like talk me against it and be like, no, 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 you don't want to do this one. Like it's not this or that enough or it's not like, but my body's like, no, I need to do this one. <laughs> so I, I know now to listen to that because when I don't, I've experienced there's always like a repercussion or there's always like a, I'll regret it. You know, like a, well, the, the mental plane is very limited. It's, it's useful. It has its place. And, you know, when we have to decipher information and that sort of thing, but um, really uh, our body, you know, at the cellular level is just operating on the pure knowing on, on pure truth rather than trying yeah. to analyze things all, all the time. I, I like to think of the, the mental plane more as uh you know, like the navigator in our car. And, uh, you know, it's great, you know, you, you turn it on and it, you know, helps you find your directions. On the other hand, you know, you're not going to start asking it personal questions. And, and uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's no longer its place. But unfortunately, and this is part of uh, what I would consider the left-hand path is we've been brought into exclusively the mental plane and yeah. we're constantly outsmarting ourselves and ignoring uh you know the, the truth that's speaking to us all the time just through that innate intelligence but um that's the journey here is learning how to not shut it off but to balance it out uh you know and, yeah. and operate on all cylinders and it's it's um I, I think it's largely because it's like a, a coming back into balance with the patriarchy and the matriarchy. And so our inner, our inner feminine or our inner like intuitive um, side, whether you're a man or a woman, it needs to be honed. You need to practice how to come back online with it. And if you've grown up with a more, um, either a super highly sensitive nervous system, that's like, you know, um, then that you're already sort of on that path of honing and listening to that intuitive sense in your body. But I think a lot of people still need to learn how to make that transition or, or even like step in it or play, play, play with it more, you know, because the whole systems, so many, yeah, the systems are set up to, to have us operating from our head and control and from um, the structural patriarchal aspect in, in the really... I'm not saying it only is negative, but there's so many qualities to the patriarchal structure. Like we, we need that too, but it, we need it in balance. <laughs> and I feel like that's kind of it in many ways as it feels like that's what's unfolding in some way. Does, do you know what I mean? Oh yeah. yeah. The divine, the divine feminine we talk about a lot and getting back to that sacredness. Um, and that's what's happening. That's unfolding. That's coming back. Uh, you know, before we went live, I believe we were talking about Mount Shasta and Lemuria and that civilization. Well, many, you know, question whether that was really here or not. 
the lore of it, whether you talk about the Emerald Tablets or Toth or, you know, where we get this information is that was really what that civilization was all about was the divine feminine and um, that, uh, that feminine energy, which is all about, you know, more of a heartfelt energy, more about um, uh, working as a community than the mother lo motherly love. And that's so important when we need more never because we have, you know, had a very masculine driven conflict driven reality for thousands of years. And that's the yeah. great shift that we're seeing right now. I really believe that. I've been working with these people um, in Melbourne recently um, for the last year, working on a new acting method and it's called PEM, Camp Emotional Method. And the foundations of the work is that the six main in their system, the six main emotions originate in the body. So in, in literally in the organs. And so when you suddenly feel fear, your org, the, or, the body registers at first. And then a moment later that, you know, I don't know exactly how long moments later, the mind registers and fear, I need to run or like whatever the impulse would be, which means that if we're, shutting down our emotions or we're not allowing ourselves to for example feel grief when we have grief in our system or if we have repulsion if we're not like letting ourselves feel that repulsion and allow the body to move the way it wants to to um process that impulse do what it naturally would do then it's it can over time really harbor and like get lodged in the body and it's quite a, I mean, even just like boys being told, you know, like it's not, um, it's not strong to cry. Like you shouldn't cry if you're a boy or like those kinds of beliefs going in so young, so unhealthy. And we don't even realize like why it would be unhealthy or like, you know, it's, it's not, a, it's so fundamental because it's, it's like crying releases cortisol. It like lets the whole system recalibrate and like, move uh and it's it's a real topic like i've got a lot of guy friends who who just can't cry and and they'd like to but it's like it's nearly it's nearly yeah and it's like so healing and healthy for us and it's the, the body is like that it's like the anchor to the feminine in a way it's like the um, like the cerebral and that brilliance of consciousness and the masculine kind of penetrative consciousness is so like that patriarchy and then the matriarchy perhaps is that like impulsive intelligence of the emotions and like the feelings and all of that. So to encourage if one wanted to step more into their feminine and be like, how do you feel? Just start there, you know? Oh, I love a good cry. Yeah, you know, the the mind uh, records electrical sensations that we call memories. Yeah. Meanwhile, the, the body and, and as you described, the organs are their present actually um, not just perceiving, you know, those frequencies coming in, but having a reaction to them. And then, you know, a split second later, also, as you described, the, the mind kind of catches on, but then the mind will uh, be triggered to start recalling these old electrical sensations or memories and then start attaching stories to things uh, rather than just feeling and releasing.
And, uh, you know, then, then the whole squirrel thing gets going there and, and we're caught in some event in the past or some projection into the future rather than just dealing with it and letting it go and letting the body discharge. You know, in Chinese medicine, we understand the organs as, uh, you know, they're, they express those energies and when uh, we don't allow them to do that, then it builds up pressure and it creates disease in those physical organs. Dis-ease in those, yeah, exactly. It is an, a lack of ease. And it's, it's interesting as well. I, like, I love finding the metaphors or the macro-micro. So like the idea of like what's the, like with the stories, like when you're triggered, you'll create a story in your head, like a narrative. And it becomes like we have all these little stories and narratives that mean things and we make them, we attach to them and we give them so much weight and we let them have authority over us. And it's really similar to what's happening in the world, like what mainstream narratives are out there that are kind of having authority over us in maybe not the most beneficial ways. Maybe they are beneficial in some way. I like, yeah, it's all an invitation, isn't it? I, I also really like the... I had a friend once and I was that once we were talking about like, what is it that wakes someone up to their essential nature? Like what, what gets someone to like, want to really be more deliberate about choosing life and, and like what they create on this planet and like wanting to really go into the truths of what exists on this amazing planet school. Like what is it that wakes someone up? And I was like, surely it's inspiration. And she was like, no, I think it's hitting rock bottom. And I was like, oh, what a bummer. But like, I totally agree. It actually <laughs> is. It's like, it's that thing when it's like, it can't get any more shit. It can't get any more challenging. And then we go, it's like, all that we can have to go to is that which can't be eroded. That, that which is essential and just at the core and then from there it's it's like um that's why i feel like a trust around like this really challenging times that we're going through it's like how do we know it's not an invitation into something so much more beautiful so much deeper like this really uncomfortable like challenging time for so many people so maybe it's also what we need as as a, to awaken more humanity within us of that which is our real true nature. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I yeah. think that's exactly what's going on. And, and I think, uh, you know, the narrative as we talk about it is getting so far-fetched that a lot of people are really waking up behind it because they're saying, wow, what I'm reading and seeing on, you know, media doesn't even match what I see with my own eyes and in my own experience. And that incongruity, I think, is starting to catch up with the narrative. And in the process, waking up a lot of people, you know, we have a lot of people in our lives that uh, we would never have certain conversations with. And now all of a sudden, they're bringing it up themselves. And, you know, we don't seem so far out anymore. So it's definitely a waking process going on. Not as weird anymore. Yeah. The, <laughs> the, um, but we're I, always, a, we're always a half a step ahead of people in weirdness and we'll always, uh, we, we take pride in that. 
What, I, you know, I posted, I posted a funny meme, uh, just how ridiculous things are. Uh, it was something like, why don't we move all the schools to the restaurants so now the kids can go to their table and take their masks off? You know, it's like, <laughs> what are we doing here? It just doesn't make any sense. It's just wild. It's crazy. And I love that people are starting to point to those cracks of logic. I mean, it's just very illogical what's going on. And so I agree, Isabel. And on your point about the macro and micro, about hitting rock bottom. Have you ever done any breath work, like intense breath work, um, you know, modalities and stuff where it really kind of, because I think in some ways on the micro level, we can get in touch with our body and and in really cool, like the Wim Hof method, or um, there's other kind of breath work I've done where I've literally broken down and cried and my hands get all weird. I get like the little crab hands. Yeah. and And in a way that's like a cool, way to force yourself into your body and have that connection and kind of get out of the, from the devices and everything we're in. Have you, have you done any of that stuff? Yeah, I have done, I have done a lot of breath work. Um, I mean, also just through acting, like needing to develop certain accents and you have to totally change your, your voice and the way you breathe or the way you sit in your body. And so there's so much body work, breath work for, you know, in service of the characters I've played, but also for, um, yeah, breath journeys and things like that, or certain yoga breath things. And Wim Hof, love his work. He's amazing. I was doing it with mum and dad in the first lockdown when we were in Melbourne, and they were just so cute. Like, just, it was great. We were all doing it together. And, yeah, breath is so transformative, and you wouldn't think so cognitive like your head, little head would just be like oh we're breathing all the time but it um yeah flooding the body with oxygen isn't that true bear that's like if the body is saturated in oxygen maybe not from doing an oxygen like tank thing and all that um not only from breathing but if the body's like saturated in oxygen no disease can exist in the body like it will is that right i've heard yeah, if, if you look at it from a bioterrain perspective, uh, looking at our internal ecology, um, you know, we're aerobic beings. Uh, we operate on oxygen, you know, different than plants that are our mirror image that operate on carbon dioxide. Yeah. You know, the greatest symbiotic relationship in the world, which is why we're surrounded by plants and why people are um, sanctioned to... Uh, be the custodians of the external environment, which includes all the botanical specimens on a planet. But um, yeah, it, when, uh, when we treat somebody and they have some kind of horrible diagnosis, uh, there's a couple things you need to do. And one of those is to uh, reintroduce proper oxygen levels to the cells it uh, you know turns around that anaerobic or fermentation kind of chemistry that just uh, turns us into a petri dish that starts breeding all the things we don't want. And not that those microbes are inherently bad, but just like any other living sentient being, when you're thrown into certain circumstances uh, that are unfavorable to your existence, you have to adapt and do things just like um, yeah. You know, if somebody is living in a, in a bad neighborhood, you have to become maybe a little bit streetwise just to survive. And yeah. it's the same thing at the cellular level. So you, you need to keep that 
ecology friendly, you know, uh, the way our biology was orig originally designed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The other thing, uh, while we're on it, besides oxygen, that, uh, you know, the two big things is that our cells lose the charge. So we need uh, uh, to be repolarized at the cellular level. So every cell, if you look at it like a little battery, um, you know, when we lose our health, our vitality, uh, it, it's like a, a flashlight with old batteries where, you know, the light starts getting pretty dim. So that's the other thing we do is we repolarize the cells and reoxygenate them. Uh, but you don't repolarize the cells with crude electricity. Um, electricity that we use there's um five levels of energy you could just loosely define and the energy at our physical body is the vital force that in other cultures they call it prana or chi and then when that energy descends into the next lower octave it becomes it starts degenerating it's um and that's the energy that we actually use in our Wi-Fi, in our household electronics. Yeah. And that electrical energy, um, you know, in our work, we differentiate between vertical and horizontal waveforms. And nature operates on horizontal waveforms. When you're, you know, in a place like you're at right there, you're surrounded by those, uh, you know, kind of natural forces. And when energy degrades, and, and uh, vertical waves uh, exist in other situations too, but the crude energy, those vertical waves, those are what become toxic. And then when you um, amplify it the way we're starting to do with some of these things we're not supposed to mention, like 5G, uh, those vertical waves become uh, much more harmful and start um, degrading our own energy so that those normal horizontal waves start you know changing orientation and start making us sick so back to the thing with the body uh, we need to start replenishing the electrical charge of the cells with beneficial electricity not the the degenerative kind that we use in our technologies or that we can produce in our own thoughts and emotions when they become toxic, then that creates vertical waves also. What, what's, what's your like go-to thing that shifts your energy and into that healthy polarity that you're talking about? Like for me, I think it would be jumping in cold water. The ocean's like six minutes walk from me right now, which I'm, you know, it's amazing mm. to have that, but not everyone has that. What, what do you recommend for, for people to, well, I can tell you what I do. It's a little personal and it probably wouldn't work for everybody, but it's just something, you know, belief system that I've had for a long time and had physically demonstrated is real to me. But, you know, in we have, you know, you have that uh, color spectrum, you know, Walter Russell talked about the different octaves and in every each of the nine octaves, there's, uh, you know, seven tonal fields that also are colors and so forth. So our brain structure as an alive, you could liken it to a flame, and it has the seven tonal fields. Now, there are also, we'll just say, there's a hierarchy of intelligence in the universe 
I don't think that's too controversial to say these days, unless we want to subscribe to the idea that what we're doing here with our iPhones and everything is the epitome of uh, uh, civilizations and intelligence in the entire universe. But, um, you know, we can do a lot better. So when we have that, uh, when we acknowledge that there is that hierarchy of intelligence, there are actual beings on those other levels that um, are in charge on this planet, we'll say, of maintaining that tonal field on behalf of us and the entire planet. And that is superimposed into our body and especially into our brain structure emanating right from the pineal. So there's an exercise you can do where you can tune into each one of those uh, angulations. It has to do with the tonal field and also the intelligent being that's in charge with that and simultaneously tune into your own electronic presence, I guess is the only way you could describe it. And when you do that enough, not only can you physically see it, but you get the resonance in immediately. So, and then as soon as you activate all of that, which takes a split second once you get the hang of it, then all of a sudden your heart just goes boof like that. I mean, just literally expands without any limits uh, on it. You actually and whatever experiment. was bothering you is do you actually Sorry, go see, ahead. do you actually see the i've been trying to do some of this stuff do you see the color this is do you see it in your mind's eye or do you actually start to see it i know we're talking about you know physical vision but how are your eyes closed when you're doing this um doesn't matter doesn't matter so you're kind of just it's in, it's in your it's in not your imagination but you're you're experiencing it in, in a way um so your imagination is the only creative power. It's the only creative power in the universe. Mm -hmm. You know, beings that have the ability to imagine because that is the creative life force that puts everything, you know, in our reality in the first place. So because we're born with amnesia, um, you know, though those of us that are just kind of ready to start going into those other realms, uh, then you necessarily use your imagination once you're exposed to certain kind of information. Information isn't knowledge, of course, it's just information. But if there's just some little spark inside that says, oh, I think I'll start, you know, uh, you know, spending a little time pondering these things. And, you, you know, then you use your imagination to perceive those colors and everything. But then after a while, it's not your imagination. It's just as physical as, you know, looking at you guys right here. And that's the power that we have inside of us. And that is also going back to vertical and horizontal ways that will on the instant transmute any of those other toxicities, including 5G exposure. Uh, that faculty within all of us can make us impervious to, um, you know, you can have a 5G tower right there and, and you're immune to it. I really like the, the There's metaphor. There's a reason for that. Yeah. yeah. There's a real physical reason why what I'm describing is so much more power than these degrading vertical waves that have power on a certain plane. But again, you're now using your own consciousness to exist in a whole different place. And that will have physical consequences that will benefit your body. Sorry to go on so much on that, but that's what I do. That's fascinating. It's like the inner technology. 
like the physical inner technology and, and all the it's quite like you know the metaphor of the pearl how like the pearl like the oyster receives this little grain of sand and it's itchy it's like an irritation or like this intrusion basically that comes in and then the oyster has to find a way to like will excrete this thing to turn it into something soft and 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 beautiful and smooth and i feel like there's so much of that in this time it's like we've got this like really like ugh, unwanted like uncomfortable shit going on around us and it's like really and we have to turn it into something beautiful it's like how do we know that 5g isn't <laughs> some um yeah, just an invitation to like become much um, come much deeper into our into ourselves, into our beingness, and what's possible. It's actually possible. It's also like, how does a crystal formalize? Like, form. It's it's like this pressure. There's so much pressure on a stone underground, and it's the pressure that creates it to crystallize over time. Then just nice things to keep on in the in your awareness of like oh maybe this pressure is actually like bringing out my true colors of like forcing me to like step into more deliberately of what's possible that or like yeah, and out and become numb and like you know just smoke drink get get sick and and not not um not show up and and I totally respect that choice actually as well because it's each their own you know it's okay to check out sometimes as well oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) and you know you said the uh the operative word which is pressure because in reality uh you know all the elements that create crystals our bodies everything we think of as physical is it's about pressure zones and it's just like with our consciousness we're working the pedals of a pipe organ to create pressure to go up and down the octaves and and uh you know our own um consciousness uh expressing through our body allows us to do that that's what happens in the earth to create those crystalline structures or or any other element in the first place and in with that understanding we realize there's no physicality in the first place the only technology that does exist is us in the first place the you know the iphones are not real <laughs> they are a machination of somebody's imagination and we all agree to play with it but there's only one technology in the world and there could be no outer technologies. It would be absolutely impossible if it didn't already exist in nature in the first place. And even when we kind of take a simplified version and put it into a little box and call it a computer, well, all it's doing is telling us that that's one little aspect of what we're already doing inside anyway. Yeah, the... Uh it's fascinating to to really see where the world's going right now. You mentioned the stimulus, right? To hit rock bottom. And we're seeing that on the macro level with society uh, and this frenetic nature of the bipolarity of, you know, it's everyone's like on this side or that side. And I think what we're all stressing here is there's no sides. It's just humanity and it's just love and it's just heart. And I think if we can really 
I know for you, Isabel, I'm sure you're kind of stuck in the middle of this because you know, being in the industry you're in, there seems to be people need to, they have to take a side, you know, and, and that's kind of unfortunate. But I feel like when we have these kind of conversations and we touch on the spiritual side and we touch on these higher truths, we can transcend that lower vibrational density that seems to be really being pushed by, you know, the mainstream news and media and even a lot of the entertainment, of course, we see. It's just really low. The culture itself has just seemed to gotten very demeaned, right? In, in very low vibration. Um, what do you feel like in terms of being somebody in, in the entertainment industry? Do you have hope in do you see things turning around? I mean, it seems like you were involved with a pretty cool independent project. Do you see that's kind of the path where we're going, where we're starting to see more of these independent projects and people that are finding their own truth and value through entertainment? Because I don't know about you, but I love movies. I went, I was a, I mean, I know you do, but, and I know Bear does, but I'm saying, I don't know you people listening. Um, and uh, I went to film school. I don't know if you know, uh, UC Santa Barbara worked in the film industry on the, on the outer end. And I love film. And I love entertainment. And what breaks my heart is seeing um, as society breaks down, the last thing I want to see is great films stopping, right? They take a lot of assets, a lot of money, and a lot, of, a lot to, put, to put them together, as we know. Um, so where do you see this going? Um, I mean, personally, I kind of think the indie scene, which has been vital for decades since really the 90s, is still kind of, I have a lot of hope for that. But just from your experience, do you have hope in, do you see a, a lot of positivity coming out of the entertainment industry or do you, do you feel like there, we're at a standstill right now or just kind of curious what your thoughts are on that? Yeah. Um, I feel really optimistic and I also feel like, like who knows <laughs> there's ribbons of possibility in every moment and we're only going to know through co-creating it together. And that's being said, I have thrown my hat over the fence metaphorically in the grander sense of whatever's unfolding i mean who knows maybe it's like a mass detoxification of um you know when you're detoxifying and you're like everything's like coming to the surface and like it'd be awful to stop the detox right halfway through because you start identifying with that which is being cleared out and is no longer necessary and all the heavy metals and um i feel like there's there is a huge thing going on <laughs> like it's like we really are going from caterpillar to butterfly maybe this lockdown this you know look in lockdown cocoon phase is what we need um with storytelling and film like i yeah i'm optimistic and just just that um it's like artists and storytellers historically were kind of like the pin that popped the, the really tense balloon. They like diffused that kind of by revealing reality um, realities and like questioning, questioning, getting people to question society, question like culture and like look at culture and reflect it back to them and like, that was always like a healthy thing to do, like get people to really question things. Like that's, that's healthy art. That's like art in its best, truest sense. And stories do that because they do it in a very safe way. You know, you can have people who you totally identify with, but you wouldn't want to admit that to yourself. 
<laughs> like when you're watching it and that's like healthy shadow work in some way it's like some way of being able to like calibrate and digest things about yourself in a really like safe way and so it's like ways to integrate those parts of ourselves and all of it it's like soul laundry you know it's like washing it's it's so healthy in when it's good stories and I feel like we need it and we'll always find a way to have those stories even if it's becomes more like theatre-esque or more like smaller groups or online or who knows I don't know I think where there's a will there's a way and it's kind of like water it just keeps finding it just finds a way through and it will like anything but um It's a big mystery and it's all about how do we embrace the ambiguity of this time also like just all of it i think that's the real um opportunity for me i'm just i i couldn't claim to know any what's going on but i'll have my intuitive places i'll rest and i'll in, encourage others to connect the dots and i'll connect my own dots of like things that i've learned over my life but we all um, we'll all have to do it together. So I don't know how, what that will end up looking like. But it's um, inherently optimistic as my lens on it all. Film yeah. is so amazingly powerful. And I know you and I have read some of the same books, uh, you know, that relate to, um, let's just say, um, more positive stories about what's occurred on this planet before when people were a little bit less asleep and, you know, you know, my son Bryden and, you know, also, you know, very uh, passionate about film and uh, we've always had conversations. She's what would it be like if, uh, you know, you take these kind of Spielberg productions or something and all those resources and technologies and special effects and create, you know, just start putting some of those, uh, uh, you know, stories on film that are actually true accounts of uh, not only what's already occurred, but the possibilities and introducing the audience to a lot of history that they've never been exposed to and realize yeah. that there is, you know, vast periods of uh, history on this planet where there wasn't war, there wasn't, uh, you know, um, conflict uh, between uh, the different cultures and, you know, different uh, civilizations on the planet they uh, communicated did commerce exchanged uh, on every single level so how fast would that change the consciousness of the planet if the movie industry just started going into that kind of good stuff and then also throwing in some good uh, things that make us laugh every once in a while what's that ratio where it's like it takes it's like a holographic um when there's a certain number of people uh, aware of something, it shifts to the critical mass. The critical mass. Do you remember what the actual mathematical amount is? It's really. I, I've heard different things. I don't know for sure. Yeah. Heard yeah. from ten percent to thirty percent. I mean, yeah, hundred, yeah. the hundredth monkey idea. Yeah, the hundredth. So yeah. fascinating. Yeah, I love. Yeah. It's interesting the things that we learn at school. Like I remember, I remember that there's from high school like, certain things that just sort of go in one ear and out the other. But then other, like I remember when I was fifteen or fourteen, 
in biology I was learning about you know the the, the experiment with the frog and the Bunsen burner where they took a water put it in a Bunsen burner and slowly warmed it up with a frog in that water and because they warmed it so incrementally the frog never realized when it was at boiling point so it couldn't like struggle and escape I remember when I was like young I was like oh that's that's important I need to remember this There's something about it was just stayed with me and when all of this started coming up <laughs> like in March and April it just it just kept popping into my awareness that that little metaphor of like okay what's going on here <laughs> is anyone is anyone else sensing um yeah i don't know how did i get to that tangent i was talking about like the well i'll tell you what that's a great um analogy for what's going on in this world we talk about the the frog and boiling water all the time i mean it's People have no idea. How did we get here? How did we get to a place where we're we're masking the healthy and we're quarantining healthy people? You know, it's um, how did we get here? But uh, I and think how did we get to a place it's not okay to ask questions about it, or it's it is okay, but a lot of it's a lot of pushback on even asking questions or encouraging healthy, open-minded curiosity and skepticism or discernment just questioning questioning is a healthy thing that's how i've been raised to think that well it's all been ideology uh you know it becomes ideologies that become politicized rather than just sharing information and so people you know they get that emotional attachment to being on a side or against something and you know, rather than just talking. Yeah, it really goes back to that being for something. Like, um, it's so much, it's, it's so easy to say no to something, to saying what you don't want, but rather you, we need to be the change that we want to see. That's ultimately so much more powerful. And for some that will look like wearing masks if it's their reality. Um, being that change will be to, to, for them to be healthy is that and that's something I would totally respect and for others it might not be so it's not there's no right or wrong but I do feel there's um, the freedom of choice that choice is, is um, our sovereign right if we can use that with integrity and and can care for all yeah yeah it's it's really about where your where people's minds are right like i was ta talking to a, a cohort uh, a couple days ago who's really vocal in the alternative health scene and is quite a character and about the mask thing and very mm. anti-mask and i said you know i'm strong enough to wear a mask if it's going to help somebody who's really sensitive about it i'm not going to let it affect affect my consciousness and, and I'm, I've really moved to an, a non-conflict sensibility about everything. Um, I feel like we have enough darn conflict everywhere. And so my kind of new methodology right now is just trying to 
get one-on-one with everybody to a place of no conflict and where I can talk to them human to human and and connect with them, whether they are like the most negative, nasty person or somebody who's just really not in touch with certain things, I will get to an equal footing with them and and touch them heart to heart somehow. And if I can, and if I can, if we can all do that, I mean, (laughs) the world will change overnight. Right. Totally. It's like that Rumi quote, um, there is a field out, out behind, out beyond right doing and wrong doing. There is a field. I'll meet you there. Yeah. You know, I agree with that, Michael, hundred percent. My main concern is if it, we all comply to the mass, just use that as an example what's the next thing we have to comply to? Because there are people on the planet that aren't gonna stop. And uh, you know, this, this is not the end game. Okay, you're just gonna wear a mask. There's, there's an agenda that's gonna keep on unfolding. So it's, um, yeah, it's tricky business. Uh, on one hand, I agree, you know, we have to just respect each other and and go into a state of non-conflict. And then at the same time, uh, you know, how far do you let them take us? So I, what I'm kind of dealing with is a, on an interpersonal, I also feel like we are against the corporate super state superstructure. And so I don't wear a mask. I don't have my, I don't muzzle my kids. I don't put face diapers on. Okay. I'm like really out there about it. Um, my kids even call them face diapers. It kind of drives my wife crazy. Um, however, like I've been on the fire department, I'm a volunteer firefighter and I've been, we've had this big fire come through. So I've been really active fighting fire and yeah. you know, it's a federally mandated, uh, or excuse me, federally controlled, um, operation. So they have these like wear mask signs and we're out in the open and nobody wears them. But occasionally if I am interacting with a soul who I could tell is being a little challenged and I'll, I have like a little scarf thing where I flip it over on my, over my mouth. So they just feel good. And then I immediately take it down, but I'm vocal about it. I'm vocal. I'm very vocal about germ theory. And I'll say to everybody, I don't have anything to hide. I say germs do not cause illness. And so that's where I come from. But, and I've even told people, if you're going to feel better, if I flip this little thing over my face, I'll do it for you. So I think you're right. We do not cower there. We do not hide from our truth. But also we do it in a way that's non is, is, is try to be as sensitive to others as we can, because unfortunately, a lot of people just don't have the education. And also, and you do put you do make a great point there. Most people I feel wear masks because they don't want the conflict. And that's the danger, because that goes back to like the classic World War Two scenario where people didn't want to buck the trend and they felt, oh, I'll get passed on. And before they knew it, everyone's in the concentration camp. And of course, that's the last thing we, that's the scenario where we, we don't want. So it is a fine line, but I also feel like interpersonally with individuals, if we can, and I've even had people then take their mask off after we had the dialogue. Okay. We don't need the mask. And we, then we both take our mask down. So, but yeah, I won't wear a mask going into a store. Hell no. Good advice. <laughs> it's tricky. It's a tricky topic, huh? And maybe yeah, that's why sure. they're pushing it. <laughs> yeah it's the the conflict scenario we've lived in a conflict-based reality since time memorials for thousands of years everything's conflict we talk about this all the time the war on drugs the war on terror the war on 
You know, there's always a war, the war on germs, the, the war against illness. And so if we can just have a little less war in any fraction of our life, I'm all for that. Well, I think the point that gets lost is that, um, you know, we're in a place where the majority of people now, the majority, are actually getting their information from independent podcasts and researchers and things online. And if you add all of these little formats up and compare it to, like, the main legacy network, I mean, they're losing. People aren't tuning in anymore. People aren't believing them. But I think we still give it too much attention. We say, oh, how can so-and-so news network be saying these lies and everything? But meanwhile, most people are starting to go elsewhere. So uh, I think it goes, it's, it goes back to what you were saying, Isabel. It's not about being against anything. It's about being for something. So rather than even bothering what the, you know, the legacy media is talking about or or, or fretting about their lives that are just getting more outlandish by the day. We just pay attention to ourselves and share information of like-minded people. Because when you look at the dichotomy, you know, the, the chasm between the, the so-called two groups that are polarizing, it's not the majority of people. And we find it also on one side, the people that are making the most noise and creating the most chaos uh, you go behind the scenes, they're actually a minority and they're actually getting paid to do it. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, again, you can't believe what we're hearing and what we're seeing on television. I think I've always like had a healthy questioning of mainstream news or narrative simply because I've been embroiled in so many stories over the years that are completely fabricated, just false. <laughs> so I've had my own experiential teachings on what mainstream media reports and going, this is my life and I know for a fact that those things aren't true. <laughs> like, and it's happened over and over and over. So. I wouldn't say across the board to just sweep it all off, but I think when fundamental pieces are so um, far from truth, you can't really rest on it as your main source of, um, you can't trust on it completely. And that's why, again, you need to connect dots and, and listen to the body's knowing and listen to what you're intuitively, or, Listen to those that you trust as wise and discerning and, um, yeah, tune into those people or, like, get curious around different sources. I think that's really healthy to, to do. Yeah. You know, Deb and I uh, were talking yesterday because uh, since we know you personally, I've never looked you up online and all that kind of stuff. But yesterday, I had to do a little bio for our news release, you know, that you were coming on the podcast. So I went online, looked you up. I was just trying to get some little, you know, tidbits to create the bio. And I was like, oh, my God, this is all total BS, you know, because I was amazed because I never, you know, I just never knew what it was like out there. If you're in the public and you have all the 
yeah. you know, the garbage it's, uh, you know, that yeah. surrounds that. I was, I couldn't believe, um, yeah, it's just, <laughs> yeah, well, I just I mean, saw it first. Uh, so Deb so, and I were just talking about, by the way, Deb says hi. What kind of, what, yeah. just curious, what kind of stuff? I mean, um, with well, we fighting <laughs> that I've never even met, um, like just anything. It could be people, um, pretty much anything that can really make up. <laughs> like I'm, a, I'm a, a dear friend, um, who I did date. He's a friend now. Um, he was my first boyfriend, and just recently his younger brother was going through a massive breakup with a very well-known pop star. I read about that one. <laughs> I'm like, and I bumped into them, the brothers at a cafe a year prior and they used all these photos saying that I was helping that younger brother through the breakup and was the new girlfriend. And there was talk shows about me having been with the other brother and now 10 years later being with this one and, like oh, whoa okay like i haven't even seen him for yeah months and months and months I just, hilarious yeah wow. it's, <laughs> it's just uh it's just gossip columns so. oh yeah massive industry behind that i mean yeah. pete evans is a homie chef pete evans there and who's been very outspoken and bear was just featured on his podcast i did his podcast put it out sometime and he asked me on that, like, how are you so brave to speak out? And I'm like, I'm just like an underground house DJ, like lives in the mountains and volunteer firefighter. Like I'm not in the, all the crazy magazines and stuff. Like that guy has just been taking a billion arrows in his back and does not care. And that is just so, I just love that guy. I mean, it's just, uh, he's speaking his truth and he doesn't care what um, gossip mags are going to put it, you know, if he's used to it anyways. So that all that stuff when what's funny is that and i have other friends that are some celebrities and stuff and what they say is if you just turn off the twitter you just don't look at it it's not in your reality at all right it's like if you just don't look at that stuff it's gone it's like doesn't affect your life it's it's just crazy how um that salacious yeah. gossip just people eat that stuff up it's just yeah but the, but the other thing is is if you're in a position like yourself isabel it can't affect your career oh sure absolutely absolutely it can um and has and and it's it's like a threatening it's they're totally able to threaten you but again if you if you've committed to what you're truly about and you're not more identified with your career than your own truth and your own calling and whatever feels like truth in your body. And then, then you won't be tested too much. Yeah. Well, what's always impressed me about you, Isabel, is that um, as long as I've known you, you always have walked your own path, but you always keep working at the same time. So uh, it seems like somehow you've managed to mingle the two. Uh, well, thank you. Ironically, like the director who offered me this last role approached me because I had spoken about 5G publicly. So he actually heard about me and was also had high, like was highly concerned about 5G and mandatory vaccination. And that's why he approached me. Um, because he felt that we were on 
respectfully the same wavelength. Um, so it was another sign to me of like, I always live by signs, you know, can sound all feely, feely and trippy, but I, I know that they guide my reality. And, and it was just another sign of like, show up with bravery and speak your truth. And, um, you know, there's work will come if it's meant to. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. And it does. It did. Yeah. I think my main, like, what's the, like, anchor, anchor um, way of, what would you call it? Like, a question to always pose is, like, what would love do now? Or what would love do? And you can ask it moment by moment. But I just, it's a, it's a really good one. Like, Yeah. <laughs> Well, I feel like that it's, it, it's, it's, you know, that mentality is beautiful. And I really feel like it's the truth. People that are living their truth are really going to be shining very soon here. As I really feel like we're moving, we are shifting to that feminine, that more heartfelt, true, honest kind of holistic world. And entertainers like yourself and people who are really speaking their truth and not just going with the old system, that old system's dying. We're, we're seeing it. We're, it's dying in front of us. And that yeah. I, I really feel like that we're going to come out of this as with having amazing new entertainment. And like Bear was saying, with subject matter that really will resonate more with a lot of people. And, you know, you're setting yourself up, I personally, for a massively, you know, extended successful career by doing this. Mm, thank you. <laughs> it's so nice to be here talking with you, Bear, because you've been such a mentor of mine for. For years, I think it's like eight years that I've known you or something like that. And like so that. many of the things we're talking about, you've spoken about long ago. And I remember, I remember thinking like, wow, this is crazy. Can that actually be possible? And, you know, it's like, um, I remember like emailing you when a lot of things like this were transpiring and you were, it was all... I don't know if saying predicted is the right word, but you have this ability to, to, to see things on such a wide scale, energetically and also analytically. And I know you have photographic memory and I know you probably wouldn't want me to say that. And having gone to being in the educational systems that you've been in and it's, you're such a wealth of knowledge, but wisdom as well. And I'm just so glad you're doing these podcasts and speaking to other people and like the mycelium, the roots all connecting and sharing that information and um, wisdom for people to be activated by it. So it's invaluable. I appreciate that, but I think it's uh, called getting old. I, you know, if you if you uh, spend enough years hanging out, you uh, start to connect some dots. I don't care who you are. I don't think you're getting old. I think you're like one of those youthful, forever youthful people. But yeah, you know what I'm saying. I bears tapped in. I wear my the, years as a badge of honor. Actually, yeah. bears definitely tapped into all the all the youth for sure, like what's going on. He's really uh, on it. So, uh, I mean, he's a big mentor of mine, of course, and we've, you know, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. And I think many people would say the same. 
And um, we had to kind of nudge him a little bit, but to get him to do this, didn't wasn't like something he was all about at first, but I think he's uh, grown into it beautifully. And um, I, I think we all agree here listening that uh, this information needs to be out. This really is, is the mainstream moving forward. I mean, all of these ideas that you're talking about, Isabel, in terms of our inner energy bodies and our our natural intuition of truth and everything i mean that's that's the reality and all the other stuff is is the simulacrum is the digital corporate superstructure that is is now sloughing off as a bad of a as like a scab of an old wound and and moving forward into a beautiful reality so uh it's uh it's been a really fun ride doing this podcast we've had amazing guests and uh, we're blessed to just to be here right now. Really are. I've enjoyed it as well, even though my first response was no freaking way. Um, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, just to redirect a little bit, um, do you ever see yourself on the other side of the camera? Um, I'm open to it. Yeah, I'm. I have some friends who want to get into some producing things together, and um. Yeah, I'm open to that. There's lots of things I'm so, so curious to learn about. I've been really learning a lot about family constellation recently. Do you guys know about that? Bear, you probably do. Mike, have you heard of uh, you, you were breaking up there slightly. What was it? Family constellation. Have you heard of it? Uh, Tell ex- us. Explain. Okay. <laughs> Not to put you on the spot, but I don't know. I mean, I've constellations yeah. and stuff. I don't know about. I don't know that term. Um, family constellation. I'm. I'm actually not sure of its origins. It might be Zulu, and um, it's a. It's a way of clearing, um, and he- releasing trauma and generational, big topics, um, in your family, but in any kind of dynamics, really. And um, there's a facilitator and there's people that come in and they'll volunteer and, and um, sort of step in for representing other people and you essentially like seep it through through a morphic field of um, communication. And I've explored it now for about seven, six or seven years, just doing a few different constellations. And yeah, it's quite, a, quite amazing. So that's something that I've, been wanting to look into more as well as yeah producing and maybe doing some meditation recordings things like this so many oh that would be cool Mm. uh you speak of morphic fields rupert sheldrake is i'm a big fan of and actually reaching out to him to get him on the podcast i think we're going to get him on so um yeah um but no i you're i think yeah i I could see you easily transitioning to being a director producer or something of the sort for sure yeah, if and when the time's right, and and if it, it if it's a a project that makes my heart sing, like you can't, it's hard to in, you invest so much into a film, like you just it's just everything. It takes so much to make a film and make a movie, and then from a producer or de- directorial point of view, it would it's like a whole up next level as well. Um, oh yeah, but I'm definitely open to you know exploring that. 
Well, we are, um, we are in the process of doing similar things here and Bryden will be involved as well as his wife, Stephanie, and we're working on a, a pretty big project here, a documentary sort of film. And um, I, I come from that world a bit too. And I, I, man, there's nothing like being on set. I tell you, I, being on this fire kind of reminded me of it because you have lots of different divisions and, and scale of leadership and people and above the line, below the line, so to say. And there's something about that community, right? All with a, with a creative a, a goal where yeah. everybody's kind of co-creating, which is really an, another microcosm of this reality, right? We're all here on set to, to put this, this, this vision of this one, usually it's an auteur, usually all the best movies comes from a single mind, right? But then everyone co-creates that and it became, becomes something much bigger than that auteur ever could imagine. And that's what's the beauty of film is it's a cooperative art. It takes a lot of people. I mean, there are some films, of course, that one guy shoots everything himself. But for the most part, it's an amazing um, kind of uh, analogy for the, how the world works and how it should work. And uh, I've been on some sets and there's the energy is just it's addictive. It really is. And so, um, yeah, it's uh, that's why I love film. And I, I just uh, I'm really excited to see where things are going and see what your projects where you're going. Now, you finished a project. Do you have anything else coming up? Um, I'm sure there is, but in, in the pipeline, but not that I'm, uh, no, not, not really that I'm able to talk about or they're not active yet. Um, yeah, so not really, but I, I like what you're saying about that analogy for sure. It's kind of also like the analogy of the body, like the eyelashes do what they do really well. And then the knee cells do what the, you know, the little cartilage does. And, and like everyone plays their part really well. If you didn't have a really great boom operator, like doing well what he can do or doing the, the artist being the empathic, you know, bringing through the like the textures of emotions for this character. Or if you didn't have a director that could, like we need, it's just, it's just like in life, we all have our maybe divine purpose. We all have our little purpose of like what we do here on this planet and even, it might even morph and change like you might be a postman and then you might go to being a lawyer like for whatever and we don't know what it's like little cells in the body and we all have to work together as best we can to um work as that team to create that amazing beautiful story and that's, I believe, where also where we're embarking as a people is that um, the next generations will no longer think of choosing a path in life based on pecuniary interest. It's going to be more based on what is my purpose. And then, of course, uh, you know, rather than the next Leonardo da Vinci working at Taco Bell, which is probably <laughs> what's happening right now, um, you know, they will be supported in pursuing, you know, what am I here to do? And then, of course, everybody will excel in, in what they do because they're on the right path. And they'll be loving it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Imagine that if everybody woke up in the morning excited about doing their work rather than dreading it and waiting for the weekend and then getting a pit stomach on Sunday night because you got to go back tomorrow. Yeah, it's possible because we can imagine it. So it's possible. Yeah. Well, a lot of us are already starting to do it. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, I was tell, I was, uh, God, who was it? Uh, somebody was doing an Instagram live stream last night, and they were talking about um, saving your money for certain things. And uh, I was in there, and I was saying, well, just you know, oh, because of the jobs issue right now, and people are off work, and because of this of COVID and everything, I said, just leave the job. I know this is scary a lot of people, but I think now there's an opportunity to really do what you've always dreamed of doing, and whether that be starting your own business. Um, uh, going out and, and finding a way to travel and get paid to do that by being a blogger or, or videographer or whatever, even though traveling is not the most fun these days. Um, or, you know, start a garden, start a small farm. I mean, that's going to be needed, you know, but now's the time. It's an opportunity to like get out of that nine to five job. You know, I always think of that movie Office Space, which I love. And, you know, the guy ends up in the end, he's doing construction, but he's kind of more free. I know that's, kind of silly, but you know, what is your path in life? When I think the way society was structured, it was like, go to, go to college, you know, get your degree and then get a good job so that you, you know, we know that whole spiel, but I do believe bear is right. I do believe that what makes, what defines us in our divinity is our creative, is our, our imagination. And I, and I've been working on a crypto project with the idea of exactly that is, which is rewarding people for creative being creative and by interacting with others through creative means and that we're all conscious creators. And if we could have a new reality where we're all just creating all day, um, and you know, the AI thing and the, and the, um, uh, you know, the machines coming and everything, I mean, that is, could be a reality. And while that can be depressing, what if we had it in a way where all the, the basic stuff are covered and we all can create, I'm not talking about universal income or anything like that. I'm talking about true, um, uh, you know, value for your creations and being rewarded for that, but in a way that is more holistic and more peaceful and more uh, in tune with our true purpose. And we can get there. That is really heaven on earth in many ways. Yeah. Yeah. It's about rewriting the the game and, so many people are already like it's like what you were just ex- explaining about what you were doing. It's awesome to have those kinds of in- incentives because it sets up the whole. Yeah, it's beautiful. I love that. Well, I feel like a lot so, of people have real quick there. A lot of people just don't, it's a bummer because they don't have the energy anymore to be creative and to, you know, I, I hear that a lot. It's like, I don't even know what I want to do anymore and stuff. And it's like, we need to re-interject that energy and that fun for life and that wanting to go out and, and find that. And I think it's with, with like my kids and with these generations, we have a real chance right now to really get them pumped on that and get them focusing on their journey, not the, what society tells them to do, not going to school, to college, to blah, blah, blah but going out and finding your passion and what you're here for. And um, I re- yeah. that's what I do with my kids. So I, t- I even tell them, hey, if you don't end up going to college, whatever, like I want you to find out what you want to do and follow your dreams. And, you know, <laughs> and it's really quite simple, actually. I don't <laughs> go ahead, Bear. So beautiful. No, I was just going to ask Isabel uh, when things open up back Again, you know, travel and so forth, which I know they will. Uh, do you have any plans to come to the States? Yeah, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. There is a film that's set to shoot in Europe. Um, it's really special. 
film um, about Marie Curie, Madame Marie Curie. And after that, I would certainly, I mean, you know, I want to come visit you in, in Shasta as well. I've always wanted to go to Mount Shasta. So, yeah, I would love to come over to the States when things open up again. And Yeah. We'll do some cold Well, we have plenty of room for you. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Bear. Same here, hey? We've got a spare room. <laughs> You're always welcome, Bear. So, so what we're doing here is kind of a much larger version of what we did at the last location. So I think you'll appreciate it. Mm. Yeah, and you've still got the beehive, right? You know, the beehives I haven't set up yet. Uh, I am going to do it um, probably next year. The reason why I haven't done it yet is, uh, you know, this piece of land is a lot larger, a lot more acres. And uh, we had to create a large perimeter uh, fence because we're a lot more even remote than the last place, even though that was out in the boonies. But uh, our fence, you know, had to be bear proof and everything. And bees are like a bear magnet. And oh, bears will just destroy everything in about two seconds, right? So, uh, unfortunately, what we'll have to do before we do the bees is uh, do a little electrical bead around uh, the perimeter of, you know, in permaculture, you, you uh, design everything in stones. And we have five zones. And we we're pretty relatively new on this piece. So, we're just developed zone one, which is pretty large. But now it's all fenced in. Now we'll get the, uh, you know, the bear repellent there. It doesn't hurt the bears, you know. They just get a zing yeah, on their nose and hopefully they don't bother. So we'll get the, yeah, yeah, we'll get the bees uh, hey, Isabel, back soon. I miss them. Really miss them. Yeah. Uh, so, you, Isabel, you have bees? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. We're, we're new beekeepers, myself, my wife, and I. Uh, we have one of those flow hives from your good old country. Uh, are you familiar with those? Kylie and Cedar. Yeah, they're friends of mine. Oh, so nice. I yeah. I, I have the traditional hive because I like it to be all wood and have no plastic in it. But the flow hives are still really cool. They're kind of like, I think they're kind of, it's like having a bike when you're riding with training wheels. You can start off that way and an amazing way for people to get into <laughs> with these, you know? Oh, totally. So we have a traditional Langstrup hive and then we have a flow hive. And I, I wanted to do that to, to, to see what would do better. We're in a, like our, the, the Del Norte Bee Club here. So um, uh, we're active in the community here. So uh, there's a few people that have them. So we're kind of testing them out and just to see. And so far, uh, yeah, it's doing good. They're both doing great. So we've, uh, we've really enjoyed our first year as beekeepers and we've already gotten I would say about six pints of honey. So um, we're kind of crushing it. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a really great experience. They're so cosmic, aren't they? And they have facial recognition and they can recognize your voice. And I often, when I oh. go over, I don't wear anything. Like I don't do all the, I've got the bee suit and all that. But they don't, um, I've only been stung once and it was right after I was like really frazzled and annoyed because I just had like done a, 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 a blood test. <laughs> I was doing a blood test and I had to get injected like three times where they, you know, put the needle in and all that jazz. And I was really like, you know, not in a good headspace. 
So I went, came home and walked straight over to my beehive to go like sit next to it. And I was all frazzled and like not in a good way. And they just went, boom, stung me straight away. And it was, um, it actually was really great. And it was shifted everything about a minute later. I was feeling great. <laughs> it was funny. You know, uh, another way to look at that is honeybee venom is very medicinal. And, uh, you know, occasionally yeah. I'll get stung. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but I mean, literally have swarms of bees on you, you know, where you just reach your hand and we'll go out and get um, uh, hives, you know, that have swarmed out in the wilds there. And we just pick them up with our bare hands because yeah. they, they yeah. you know, they don't attack you or anything. But occasionally you get stung. But if I get stung, I just say thank you because I know it's a very beneficial medicine at the same time. And I figured, okay, I just needed a little bee inoculation. Do you check which meridian point it's on? That's what I've been told Ooh, to trippy. check out. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah. And it was actually really, for me, when I read where it was, because it was kind of here near the bladder and it, it related, I could make sense of that so yeah these are amazing <laughs> and if that sounds far-fetched to anybody remember they aren't thinking about things they're just experiencing energy firsthand so they're going to go exactly where they're needed that makes sense they're doing uh i know someone's i forgot who was doing it but they're doing experiments with bee stings and lyme disease uh at some university i was reading about so uh, I haven't heard about that one. So what's up with that? Um, I don't know. I'll send you the, the, someone sent me that article, I think on our telegram last week. So also, somewhere. Really fascinating yeah. how they will give their life in service of the whole hive. Yeah. In service of the mm -hmm. collective. Yeah. Yeah. That beautiful sentiment. I love our girls. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, and, and the fact that they, yeah, I, I'm going to go connect with them after this, actually, I got to go check on the check on them. So, um, well, this has been such a wonderful discussion today. Um, we're coming up on two hours, actually. Um, uh, you know, Isabel, I just wanted to ask you, um, you know, being an actress and being in that world and everything, do you have anything to recommend to our community in terms of like something that you do? You, you know, you asked Bear like kind of what he does to get centered and you mentioned the cold plunge. Is there anything else you do that's kind of in your repertoire of getting centered or maybe it might be dietary or health, health style, health, you know, healthy lifestyle uh, process or something you do that you might be able to just kind of throw a little tip out to our community to end the, this wonderful chat. Thanks, Mike. Um, I meditate every day. Um, there is a beautiful meditation that's in the I Am Discourses, the books that we were talking about earlier there. Um, and I, I think just physical activity is really good, like being, going for a jog or doing something physical, um, jumping in the ocean, or if you don't have ocean around you, like having a salt bath every so often. Um, that's also a really good way of discharging EMF in the field around you. Um, just trying to think, I mean, there's so many things. I, um, essential oils as well. I really love, I just love learning about the intelligence or the informational field of certain plants. So, um, certain 
certain essential oils that I'll wear on the body, like frankincense or sandalwood. Or um, I just love exploring those. I'd encourage that if you're interested or curious about that. Um, yeah, there are a few things. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I love sandalwood. Well, your lifestyle is pretty stellar. Your your diet is clean, and I know you stay yeah. active, and so and a combination of everything. Yeah, I, I eat organic. Um, I'm very grateful to be able to have organic food and have organic markets around. This whole community is just flourishing with organic natural markets, non-GMO foods, um, and quite conscious of the water that I drink as well. I, like, have yeah, either drunk ta um, tank water, rainwater, or had um, like a, a canyon water. Um, there, that came through you as well, actually. I remember when I was in LA, I was getting sick a lot from drinking tap water, and I didn't realize that there'd be anything, you know, potentially harmful or not so ideal for the system with just normal tap water. But um, maybe some are more resilient than others, but I was getting sick a lot. And then I changed to the Canyon water system, which certainly is an expensive system, but you can have it for decades and just did not get sick anymore. <laughs> Water is so fundamental, and we're obviously more than 70% water. Um, and I also would like, I mean, a lot of my practice would include two things. One is really simple, feeling that which I don't want to feel. Even if it's just four minutes of breathing into the emotions that I resist most. And then maybe doing physical exercises to help release those emotions. Uh, and also not with the intention for it to leave, because usually that's when it does leave. And then the other would be um, around connecting with the cycle of the moon. Um, for, for women, that's usually more of a natural process anyway, because we have the cycles in the body. But um, yeah, I, f I find like that's also a nice way to set intentions on the new moon um, and whether or not you, you know, it could be placebo, it could be um, energetic because the tides are affected by the moon and wear water and so it affects our tides. And I, I like, I like the, um, the ritual at least of like that um, connection. Um, and connection to nature that we're so we are nature we're like literally you know this um sentient beings on the surface of this massive planet that is nature and we're if we can be as healthy and awake as possible we're like little acupuncture points on the planet we can help that connection for the for the planet's consciousness as well and so getting lots of good sleep, all the things that everyone knows. <laughs> um, yeah, that's my wrap. But so important. Yeah, thank you. Well, you're in a good spot and we're, we're so happy that um, you're healthy and vital and seems like you're doing really well in these, in these days of craziness. So 
Uh, such a pleasure to have you on today, Isabel, and we really look forward to um, <laughs> a future where um, me, I personally really want to go to Byron Bay. So um, it's a place that uh, I was just talking to Bryden about. We were like, oh, that'd be amazing to go out there and surf and hang. And we feel like we're, we've got a lot of friends there now. So yeah. um, well, Bryden almost grew up there. Yeah, I know. I know. I remember all that. You guys have been in. Yeah. Yeah, we came an inch away from being your neighbors there. And then uh, because Deb and I at that point, and, and, you know, talk about changing and just pursuing your own path back when we did that. And, uh, you know, we said, hey, we're moving to Australia, uh, you know, because we, we had a successful little practice and everything going and all of our friends you know didn't want to see us leave they said what are you doing you guys are you've lost it you know and we just said no we're just ready for the next adventure but then we ended up in Fiji because the surf was so great and and uh, you know then eventually Hawaii but uh, but I've yet to make it to Byron Bay and now I have uh, a few friends there and so I'll have to make it out to your your yeah, neck of the woods as well both of you I'm yeah. really looking forward to you visiting and it's the first place the light touches when the sun rises, the Mount Warning, or it's actually called Mount Wollumbin. Um, and the most eastern point of Australia is those two points are the first place the light touches where there's something just mm. mystical and special about that as well, I feel. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, uh, when you do visit, we'll definitely have to hike up Shasta and see if we have an encounter with a certain individual with the violet flames. <laughs> I know I talk about that all the time. Like, so um, anyhow, for those in the know, know what we're talking about. Uh, okay, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us today on DLive. Uh, this will go up on our YouTube, uh, usually right about now. So I'll get this up on the YouTube. And of course, it'll go out as a podcast everywhere podcasts are available. Uh, if you enjoyed this talk, please follow us. Go to alphavedic.com and you can join us on all our platforms there. We're on Telegram, Discord, uh, and uh, really trying to embrace those platforms that are a little alternative. And um, thanks so much for joining us today, Isabel. It was truly a pleasure. And we hope yeah. you enjoy the rest of your day there. As we move into evening, you got the whole day ahead of you. So enjoy your Friday. And Dr. Lando, I'll be seeing you this week. And we have a special guest joining us at the farm, Dr. Edith Abunto-Chan, who's been on the podcast. She's coming up with her family. Oh, she'll be here tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. So she'll be here tomorrow Fun. and uh, we'll be hanging. And then, of course, we've got a special gathering coming up in Joshua Tree. She'll be at, uh, as well as Alpha Vedic family and, and all sorts of friends. And we'll be doing some amazing breath work. We'll be doing the Wim Hof Ice Bass with Troy Casey. And we'll be really taking, uh, taking it to the next level on a lot of that fun stuff. So if you're interested, if that piques your interest, holler at us on tele Telegram, y'all. And have a beautiful day. Uh, get outside. Get your hands dirty in some dirt. Grow something. Or go put your feet in the sand. Or as Isabel might be doing today, go jump in the ocean or lake or river. Uh, it's really the best therapy out there. Okay, yeah. guys. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Isabel. Thank you, guys. So Thank nice. you, Isabel. Uh, thanks so much for being here with us and lots of love from both Deb and I. Oh, such an honor. Thank you. Oh, and if you, is, there any, uh, is there anywhere we should send people to follow you or, uh, you know, website or anything or just kind of? Um, I don't have a website or, or Twitter or Facebook. 
um, Instagram, ten Facebook, but it's not me. Um, I'm just on Instagram, and it's my name, Isabel Lucas. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you yeah. go, guys. Okay, guys, have a beautiful day. We'll see you next take. Oh, next week we've got Kelly Brogan on Tuesday. We got the power packed week next week. We've got Kelly Brogan on Tuesday, and we got Dr. Andrew Kaufman coming back. So uh, we are going to be crushing germ theories, the, the lie of germ theory next week. Okay, guys, <laughs> have a good one. Later.